Welcome to the Gamers Inn. Come on in, pull up a chair next to the fire. It looks like you've had a long journey. I'm your host, Jocelyn, and joining me, as always, is my co-host, Ryan. Hello, Ryan. Hello. I can't believe it's been a week already. Time flies. Time flies. When you're having fun, question mark? I was going to say that. I I mean, I, uh, I I had some fun. I had I had some fun, but uh, you know it wasn't like seven days straight, like <laughs> you know, like some people get. Like I don't know who those people are, but if you had seven days straight of fun, I need to know what you're doing. That what's your great. secret? Yeah, yeah. What's your secret? <laughs> like maybe there's like a you know there's a book ten ways to have seven days straight of fun. I, written by oh i guess not ryan murphy you you need to know the secret to seven days of fun but someone send me a pinterest article or uh, a listicle something like that it's it's gotta exist right yeah i think there's gotta be 10 tips right <laughs> probably sleep is one of them probably yeah probably i would say probably sleep <laughs> at least but uh yeah i mean it has it the reason i say fun question mark is i mean if anyone has been on twitter or the internet in general or even the evening news then you guys are aware of the current hearthstone drama going on with um the dismissal of uh blitzchung and i want to just get this out of the way right off the top because we do usually have a new section on gamers Den. And I didn't want you guys thinking that we were going to go way deep dive into this and be disappointed. So we're getting this out of the way off the top. Um, basically, Garrett and I recorded yesterday. We did an episode of The Angry Chicken. If you guys want all of my thoughts on what's going on with Blizzard, China, Hong Kong, and the Blitzchung drama, that's where you guys can find it. So we're not going to go over it again tonight uh unless ryan if you have any final thoughts because i know you've also you've listened to the episode of angry chicken so Mm -hmm. i do want to give you a chance if you do have anything to add to to go ahead but if not you guys can just go uh check out the angry chicken i think people should check out the angry chicken for sure that's that's fair enough yeah that's that's right that's your thoughts that's my thoughts because i listened to it and i uh i i was super busy the other day and i didn't get a chance to really look into it and uh that's where i got sort of the 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 details so i think a lot of folks that if they're interested that's where they should start and then certainly you know you know move on to other sources from there i think it's a good it's a good place to start for sure awesome so yeah that's where you guys can go the angry chicken it's over at amove.tv and uh it's i believe the most current news post up on the website so you should be able to find it very very easily if you aren't already following the show uh so we're going to talk about what we've been playing this week um personally for me i haven't been playing much in terms of video games or at least in terms of new video games i have obviously been playing the crap out of dead by daylight and having a lot of fun they're ramping up for their halloween event and they're bringing a whole lot of changes to the game and i'm really stoked about that but this is not a DVD podcast, so... Sometimes it is, for about 10 I minutes. I guess, yeah, some, sometimes it could be. All right, so I'll talk about it just really, really quick. Just, just <laughs> oh, a little bit. twist I'll my just, arm. <laughs> yeah, I'll just sprinkle it in here. So, yeah, um, DVD is basically going down the route of, um, I guess, like, I think Rocket League has done this, but definitely, like, Fortnite and, like, Apex and stuff with the battle passes. So, mm. you, like, you pay you pay a base cost, and then as long as you play the game and complete challenges, then over time, you unlock things like cosmetics and more currency. So, the way the DVD um, pass works is it costs $10, and the pass runs for 70 days. So, just over two months. And if you complete all the challenges included with the premium pass you will earn that $10 of currency back again. And then so you can basically, with the currency you earn through the battle pass, buy the next one. So you have to do like an initial investment of $10. But then after that, as long as you're completing your passes, you earn all your currency back. So I think it's a really cool um, way to do it. I don't feel like it's like as exploity, mm-hmm. <laughs> I guess. Um, and there's so many cosmetics built into it. So I'm super excited. It's also tied into um, the archives, which is like their attempt at not really single player because you still play the same base DVD game. But you basically once you complete a challenge in the archives, then you'll get some more lore around DVD about the characters, the survivors, the killers, all that kind of stuff. So mm-hmm. it's like almost like you're unlocking like pages in a book sort of thing as you complete challenges while you're playing the game so it's a lot of new stuff it's like it's basically like adding new dailies into the game 
but you can do multiple like you don't have to wait for the next day for it to refresh to give you the um to give you the bonus so it's really cool i think it's going to be a cool update they're doing a halloween event so that's always fun and uh yeah so if you guys aren't playing dvd as always go check it out because i really love it it's super fun Mm -hmm. it's what it sounds (laughs) like they're in terms of a live service they're keeping it they're keeping it fresh if they're doing still doing big updates and big refreshes like that yeah it actually seems like 2019 has been a pretty good year for them um obviously as someone who came to the game in 2019 um like the pace of what they're doing seems really fast um and it seems like they're executing on a lot of uh, big changes that have been asked for by the community. So I think uh, overall, DVD seems to be in a really good place. Again, I don't have a whole lot to compare it to because I wasn't seriously into it prior to this year. But um, they seem to be kind of going down the same road as the Hearthstone team had been as well with, you know, more game updates, trying new things, giving the community what they want. You know, not that the game is necessarily long in the tooth, but it's long enough that, you know, they're, I think they're starting to play around and just try things and see what works. And uh, that, I think that's a good look for uh, for developers. I like that when they listen to their community and they try something and then they're just like, oh, okay, that didn't work. Revert it or, oh, hey, that did work. Neat. You guys are right. Cool. <laughs> well, that's the beauty of a live service is that you can kind of test things out you can go back and forth yeah yeah and you can have a you can have like a live sort of well let's see how this works and again as long as you're not impacting competitive uh which dvd doesn't have anything that's competitive dead by daylight is not any kind of esport so that's actually kind of nice because they don't have to take like a competitive balance into account basically all they have to do is make sure that when people are playing on ladder they're having fun and if there's something in the game that people don't enjoy playing then they just change it because they don't have to worry about you know any sort of esport so it's great that is really good sometimes when you know things have to you know games have to depend uh, or have an esports side of it and they they don't want to split competitive and sort of just normal play it's interesting to see how how that changes the way they update it so it's the experience good. of the game yeah yeah so that sounds exciting and and you know dead by daylight being one of those games that we're definitely going to check out in uh during extra life we'll talk a bit more about i think that. it might basically be the only thing that i'm going to play um on the 20 <laughs> on the 26th uh, yes. i might play different stuff on the the 12th this upcoming saturday but um I on the 26th it'll be right in the middle of their Halloween event so Ooh. I feel like that's probably the only thing that I'll be playing. <laughs> well, I'll need practice so on the 12th when you play I will jump in as long as Yay! you're not you know you don't have your cool regulars. I know it's a Canadian long weekend so your American friends will probably be able to join you but uh I will certainly jump in and uh bring us all down Perfect. and make bad the only, oh my god and i can't even believe that i'm considering this i feel so bad but okay like, okay so they just changed matchmaking right so uh before when you had a survive with friends group then which this won't matter if we're playing kill your friends if we can find five people to play it'll be fine but if we're playing on the ladder then um it used to take the average so if you had like a player who was ranked 20 and a player who was ranked 10 it would try to find you a rank 15 killer but now they found that basically that was um, people would be like rank one and two and then bringing in rank 20 people to then like beat up on on killers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it wasn't a great gaming experience. So now what they've done is they've changed the matchmaking to say whoever's the highest rank in your group, then it tries to matchmake based on the highest rank only. <laughs> so, oh. so if you and I go in, you'll be a rank 20. I'll be a rank seven and we'll get a rank seven killer. <laughs> <laughs> which right. is not going to be a good experience for you, Ryan. Spoiler alert. <laughs> no, I, I'm trying to remember we played, well, it might have been a year ago now uh, when we played Extra Life in November of last year, maybe, yeah, November. And we had some incidents where I think we were more playing. But you, you, you've got to have, you've got to have like a collection of folks unless you really, unless we want to play ranked and that's sort of, the, I remember when we were doing Heroes of the Storm, oh, we, we want to play like sort of, quick match so we get the rewards and stuff not just a fun like ai match but uh i feel like we could probably pull together a group of five right i think so and i think it's really fun like when you can uh yeah when you can actually like have the killer in voice chat with you i think it's hilarious (laughs) oh yes especially when they're (laughs) yes especially when they're gaudy and he's scaring himself with the survivors which to be fair i've done that before too so 
Um, I yeah, I do think that there's going to be a bunch of different people around. So hopefully we can pull together a kill your friends group because that would be really, really fun. But um, mm -hmm. getting a little bit off topic, but we might as well just say um, so this Saturday, October 12th, I will be doing my first 12 hour stream for Extra Life. If you want to support the team and go to bit.ly slash TGI Extra Life 2019, we very much appreciate all of the support for our Extra Life streams. And uh, this is going to be the first one of many. So uh, do come and check it out again Saturday, October 12th, starting at noon Eastern. Um, but yeah, so Ryan, you are what are what have you been up to? What have you been playing before I talk too much about my my board gaming experience? Well, um, I've been cursed. So I think for the last year, as we've discussed more video game service subscriptions it's always it's always come up that uh, ryan sets reminders and he's kind of mm -hmm. like a getting things done nerd where he's got like tasks and calendar entries and all that fun stuff uh and where i've been known to be a person to um min max my video game service subscriptions you know free trials discounted prices you know finding deals for for longer subscriptions Long story short, I was reviewing my credit card statement last uh, last week uh, after we recorded and to find out that Ubisoft had charged me $23 for their Uplay Plus service, which I had forgot to cancel during the free trial. Um, they offered a free trial for the month of September, and I, I don't know if I couldn't find the cancel option or I just, I was like, oh, I'll do this later, which is just that's a bad idea all on its own um but yes i i i i did the thing that all the video game companies hope you do you forget to cancel and, and they get that one more month out of you uh so i have you play plus for another month uh i haven't really done much with it yet as is tradition <laughs> when accidentally resubscribing to something but i feel like i'm gonna check out ghost recon breakpoint which is the is the newest ubisoft game um I'll probably talk about that next week. I, I literally haven't even installed it. Um, so the weird thing is about, you know, resubbing to these subscriptions uh, by accident. It's like, well, there's a reason I forgot to cancel is because I haven't had time to pay attention to it. So now I feel like I have to pay attention to it in October because I've already paid for it. I did make sure to cancel <laughs> it, by the way. So it's not well, going to happen good. again. Um, but I've seen the reviews for Breakpoint, and I guess they're not they're not great. So this goes back to something I've been trying to do, which is to play less games but of a higher quality. Um, and I mean, I, I don't know how long that'll last. Evidently, it'll last you know a week, and then I'm going to play Breakpoint. But um, <laughs> I, I don't hear it's like a terrible game. I just hear it's not. It's just not up to par. Like it's got a lot of like open world business and sort of like content for content's sake. And I don't know. We'll we'll see how it goes. But yes, Jocelyn, I have forgotten to cancel a subscription, and I'm here to report that it does indeed suck, and it feels really bad. And the only reason I'm able to smile about it is because I can get a chuckle out of the fact that for the last two or three weeks, every time a service comes up, it's like. And Ryan's really good at canceling these, but I'm terrible. So now I'm part of that club. Um, and it's, I get, yeah, it's not, it's not fun. And, uh, and then I, and I ended up subscribing to a whole other service, which was Apple Arcade, um, which is the $4.99 subscription, uh, US uh, subscription for uh, all iOS devices from the Apple TV to your, your phone, to your, your actual Mac. I think it just launched on, uh, mac uh the mac computers and it's it's a weird one in the sense that you can't cancel it right away so the first thing i did when i subscribed is like okay i'm gonna make sure i cancel this so it doesn't automatically renew no that it'll let you cancel but if you cancel it actually cancels your free month as well because you get a free month just for tr trying it out so i thought that was a bit sketchy as well so of course the first thing i did after i learned my lesson with uplay was to uh set a reminder <laughs> in my phone to cancel right at the last minute so hopefully i i don't ignore that and uh but at least that one's only five bucks but that's that's how it starts isn't it where you say it's only five bucks and oh yeah and then it, it spirals out of control because then before you know it <laughs> you've subscribed to like 20 things that are only five bucks oh <laughs> uh, gosh oh uh, yeah well it's uh i i hope i'll, go, I'll be good with this one oh, that being said though i, I think with Apple Arcade, the games I have played, and I'm not going to go into like super duper detail on 
on all or any of them. I'm just going to mention a couple that I've really latched onto because the cool thing about Apple Arcade, which has been has launched now for probably two or three weeks, I held off on getting it because I was waiting for it to launch on iPad. It was a bit of a staggered release where I think it was mid-September on phones, then a week or two later on iPads, and now has just launched this past uh, earlier this week on on the Mac. Um, and uh, it's it's curated service, all new experiences, at least at launch, uh, in the sense that these are games that have not come out yet. So it launched with I think sixty games, and they're all new. You know, they are they are simpler. You know, games. They're they're phone games. Some of them are a little more. Um, in depth than others. There's the I don't know if you remember Oceanhorn. Um, it was that sort of Zelda-esque game on iOS that was, man, it was like hyped for so long, and then it finally if came it was, out. If it was only on iOS, then no, because I have not had an Apple phone device for about four years now. I think. Okay, it might have been, might have been right on the tail end of when you were, when you were on Apple, but it was kind of like looked at as. This is a Zelda. This is a true Zelda game for phones, and then it came out and it was without like, being actually a Zelda game. <laughs> yeah, it turns out it wasn't Zelda. It wasn't actually Zelda. Uh, no, no dis, you know, meant towards the Oceanhorn team, but um, you gotta, you gotta really bring your A game if you're if you're trying to be Zelda. If on you're phones. gonna claim Zelda, <laughs> yeah. And uh, but but you know, Oceanhorn two has launched, uh, you know, exclusively on Apple Arcade, and it's got controller support. I haven't dove in on that one yet because again, it was a bigger product. But what I was looking for was like it was it was such a busy week last week that I was just looking for smaller experiences. Sit on the couch, put my AirPods in, and just enjoy something on on my iPad. And uh, I ended up checking out. Uh, Overland, Mini Motorways, Grindstone, those three titles over the last week. And they're all very small, simple experiences uh, on Apple Arcade across all the platforms. So Overland is like this interesting roguelike slash XCOM slash post-apocalyptic game. Also with some like survival mechanics. So you're you're a character trying to survive in this post-apocalyptic world where there's like they're not like they're like zombie dogs, but instead of a head, it's like a bun- bunch of tentacles coming out. And it's very like simple okay. design. It's interesting. It's not zombies, but it's they're definitely monsters. They sound like eldritch horror type monsters. Yes, exactly, exactly like that. And you are in a car, and the first thing that happens is you come across, you know, um, you're trying to escape. You're you're trying to escape this, you know, the square. It's it's a very simplified de- design where there's a couple buildings and there's a road. And your character, you you move them uh, in a grid format towards the car. You get in the car, you drive away, and then that moves to the next segment. And as you progress through the prologue, you actually get to a point where you're trying to travel across the country, and you it's all on a gas system. So you have like a let's say you have eight gas, and as you move from tile to tile, depending on how far you drive um, uh, from from uh, map to map that uses different stages of gas. So say you want to get supplies. Well, to go get supplies, it's three gas. But to go to this area that may have um, another survivor for you to recruit, it's only one gas. So you can kind of make choices like that, moving across sort of this, across the country into different areas. And you're trying to find gas and supplies so you can survive longer as you try to move your way across the country. Obviously, I didn't make it far because I'm terrible at these games. Uh, <laughs> you'd think I'd be better at by now, being a big fan of you know zombie experiences. But it was really—it's a really cool game, and I think for for those who are looking for the sort of strategy games, it's it's really interesting to see those represented um, in this offering. So I, I really like Overland, Mini Motorways. I think you'd really dig this one. Uh, I know it is Apple exclusive, but Mini Motorways is really cool in that I'm trying to remember what it kind of reminds me of, but um, it's a very simplified design where it starts with, you know, a grocery store and a house and you just have to connect the roads. It kind of feels like a very simplified SimCity in that. Oh, okay. So it's not like a racing game. You're not, you're not driving cars on little motorways. You're building connections between places yeah and it's, it's a bit of traffic i know we're not talking about death stranding right now 
<laughs> no, 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 we're not. <laughs> I was like, where's she going? Oh, okay, now I remember now. Uh, yeah, all the connections between places and how important they are. And that's all bridges. we know about that game. Yeah. <laughs> I This one's really cool. I mean, if you look it up, you, you'll, you'll probably see exactly what I, I'm talking about. And that it's it's very SimCity-esque, where, but it's very simplified. It's all about connecting, you know, roads between buildings and houses and stuff. But all these houses and buildings are color-coded. So it starts off with a singular red grocery store and a red house. And then you connect the roads and you have a finite amount of resources to connect roads so you can't like design like this very sophisticated highway system you've got to be very matter of fact like you have 10 road pieces and it's going to take five to connect the two houses you might so as well it's do kind a of like line. a it's kind of like a, a puzzle game too then it is but it's also a little bit like a, a roguelike in that it it progresses from there it gets more and more difficult so slowly the map is zooming out and as the map zooms out you can tell it's zooming out but not at a, at a pace where you're you're feeling rushed um so as it moves out it adds another red house and then it'll add a blue house and a blue grocery store well the blue and red can mix on the road but the blue is going to try to get to the blue grocery store the red houses are going to try to get to the red grocery stores and that's where traffic management comes in. So colorist. Yeah. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah there's a, I didn't really think of it that way, but you're right. Um, <laughs> you could create blue roads and red roads if, if that's your style of traffic management. But the way these things are placed, that's not usually an option. So you are going to have them crisscrossing around. Um, and it just gets more and more complex as the map zooms out. Uh, you have to deal with bodies, uh, bodies of water, so it gives you bridges. Um, it gives you like traffic control, so you can put um, like a four-way like, traffic lights down. So that's really interesting. And it even gives you motorways, so you can create like bypasses. You know, so it's a it's a really neat one. I, I like uh, mini motorways. It's it's really cool. It sounds really cool. I, I mean, I, I'm kind of, well, I guess it, it's on the iPad, right? So I, I could I could dig out my, like, 10-year-old now iPad <laughs> and yeah. see if it would run it. Well, y- yeah, it might not because you would need the newest version of iOS, so the one that just came out, mm. which could be tough um, on an older device. But, yeah, if you have an iPad or if you have access to, to a tablet and you don't necessarily have a phone, I'm not playing these on my phone. I'm, I've been playing them on the iPad, and they're really... They're really cool. It's a really great offering. And, you know, I'll talk quickly about, you know, Grindstone is a cool little puzzle game, um, kind of a match three, a take on match three by uh, Cappy Games, um, where you play this dude with a sword and you're killing creeps. So uh, it, I'm trying to remember what it reminds me of because there's match, there's, you, they've done all the match three games, but essentially you create a line of color, similar color creeps and you create a chain. And that's basically the game. It says like, okay, here's your board, kill 50 creeps and do it as quickly as possible and then escape. And it adds like some twists and turns, like it adds obstacles and resources you can collect and ways to chain and switch colors halfway through. So that one's really good. And just today, someone mentioned what the golf. So it's a golf game, uh, which starts. No way. Well, (laughs) yes way. (laughs) It starts very innocently in that um, you hold your finger down, you pull back. It's kind of like old school, like web golf or web pool, you know, where you click down and you hold back to kind of set your power and then you let go and it, and it does the shot. So the first level is like you doing that with a golf ball to, and you don't have to sink it. You just have to hit the flag. So it's a little more forgiving and then it evolves and it, and it literally becomes like what the golf in the sense that you do it again and there's a little, you know, putter there. But instead of the golf ball moving, the putter suddenly, you know, goes off like it's the golf ball. And you're like, okay, that's weird. And then the next one is like a fully fledged person with the golf club and the golf ball and you do it again. And in this case, instead of the ball moving, the whole person moves as if it's the golf ball. And it just gets wackier as it goes on and on and on. And it's it's a series of challenges to try to well, to, to get some object from one side of the map to the other side and then constantly switching like, you know, vertical to horizontal, 3D to 2D, different like isometric views. It's really interesting and honestly, probably my favorite experience so far. Like it's so unique. Really? Yeah, it's really, really 
really interesting. And it just keeps getting wackier and wackier. I just played one before we started recording. And I mean, some of this could be considered a spoiler if you're looking for the, the surprise of it. But one of them was um, it, it was a Mario game. So you played a character and instead of like when you use the power meter, it just creates the character jumping and you move through that way of the game. And it's really quirky and fun with the music. It's like it's like the Mario music, but it's like it's just someone saying what the golf to the chorus. <laughs> uh, so it's, okay. I, it, it's one of those weird indie titles that just kind of nails it in terms of feel and, and look and feel and stuff like that. So um, again, if you have a tablet, I know everybody doesn't have, you know, a phone, but I don't know, like, is it safe <laughs> to say that, you know, iPads are kind of like the best tablets you can get? Like, that's not, that's not arguable now, is it? Like, maybe surfaces come up a little higher, but you're just buying a fancy laptop at that point, aren't you? Yeah, honestly, um, in terms of the tablet market, I bought a gaming laptop and have never kind of looked back. So I'm not 100% up on what's mm-hmm. the best. Um, I would say an iPad is probably a safe bet, but I have no idea if that's just my like Apple bias talking or if that's actually the truth. Like if it's actually the most powerful, easiest to use piece of kit on the market i don't i don't know yeah i don't know either familiar with the current tablet market (laughs) i've used a couple android tablets but mind you the folks that have bought have purchased those are buying low end and and they never they're never good um but like maybe like a similar high-end android tablet would be equivalent to like an ipad but from what i understand the ipad certainly is like one of the higher offerings for for that sort of thing but yeah apple arcade is really good um google launched a similar a similar service a competing service in the states only just recently where it's like four dollars a month and it includes apps but from what i'm hearing it's not as solid an offering in that these are all new games on apple arcade like maybe eventually down the road they'll like graduate from the subscription service and you'll be able to buy them you know uh, straight up and they'll leave exclusivity with apple and be available on android but it's a solid service totally worth the five bucks a month um i definitely can see myself continuing if they keep up a steady pace of releasing these titles i can also see me taking a break and coming back you know now that i've had my fill of of ios gaming but what the golf is really good if you're at all curious and you don't have access to a device certainly look it up it is certainly what the golf <laughs> <laughs> fair enough fair enough uh so this this week slash weekend for me i actually i did not a lot of video gaming but i did a lot of board gaming and part of that was actually uh we went to toronto and there we had like this uh dine with a dm experience and so there were six of us that went three couples and we actually played D D for the afternoon with oh. this like one-shot campaign and it was actually really fun i was surprised because i am not a big fan of D. <laughs> it's not my jam it hasn't been my jam for a long time my husband is a dm he mm-hmm. runs a couple of different campaigns and he has a lot of fun with it but it's never been my thing and uh the what i really liked about this experience the way it was crafted because i was also really confused because like the one time and like you and i played D D before was like it would take us two hours to get through like three skeletons because mm-hmm. the combat just takes so long and it's just like you're going from person to person to bad guy to bad guy rolling dice excuse me the whole time and it's very very time consuming uh, so this was kind of like a non-combat scenario. It was a heist, which was really cool. So it was like we met a dude in the tavern and we saved him from some guys who were trying to assassinate him. And the way that we did that was basically just like the the DM was like, here's all the things your character can do. Pick one. Tell me how to how you want to, you know, kill your ninja assassin guy and you know, we'll assume you roll a 20. So I was like, basically there was like no hit points involved, like no nothing. It was just like an introduction to like D&D spells and combat and stuff. But then most of the rest of it was just like, he went around the table and he's like, okay, now you guys have to go heist a diamond for this famous guy. So 
you know, who wants to do what, given what your characters can do? Like, do you want to go to the estate? Do you want to check things out? Do you want to hire mercenaries? Do you want to blah, 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 blah. And it was like a whole bunch of just RP, I guess. Mm. But it was like he would ask us what we wanted to do. We would tell him and then he would almost like make up a story. So then if I said like I whack him in the head with a stick, he'd be like, okay. So Faith, the hunter, runs up behind her quarry with her quarter staff or whatever and, you know, brings it down with all the might and thunder of a monk or whatever. And, you know, like he just he told this big story based on what we wanted to do to kind of give us an idea of what a, what a D&D role playing experience is really like. And I had a really good time. We moved the story along really quickly and uh, and all six of us had a really good time, even though we had, you know, like three guys who were used to being in the same D&D group together, you know, week in and week out. And then the wives who were just like, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> and he did a really good job of balancing those two experiences. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, this thing is coming. Dungeons and Dragons is now uh, it's 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 like Marvel movies. It's kind of come out of its shell and it's accepted by, uh, by the mass audience. Right. Um, I think Marvel movies have, have probably come a lot further than D and D has, but D and D is getting there, you know, thanks to absolutely. It's, it's becoming more and more mainstream. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, we did a one shot for, uh, you know, uh, Kearney's bachelor party. And it was interesting because it was, I was also skeptical as like, okay, like Dungeons and Dragons takes a lot of effort, a lot of research and a lot of sort of, you know, just it's a time commitment, but we had three hours with this hired guy and it was part of this, uh, this dinner experience and they brought the DM in and he had crafted this story that our characters that we teleported into, um, this world and, uh, and we all got to experience it all at once. And it sounds very similar. And then it's it's more about the storytelling. And I think that's where um, you you have you have a lot of you can have a lot of fun with Dungeons and Dragons when you're playing through a story that that has a storyteller who's 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 crafting this on the fly and using your input and your signals to kind of craft a story that feels to create personal. A story, yeah. 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 And and I think that's uh that's an experience that I think everyone should enjoy and if you have an opportunity to sort of inject your, you know, your personal characters into it, it's it's probably even more fun, but if you just want to enjoy this, you know, experience, like I feel like what you described um is is something you know Ashley would probably enjoy. She's not at all into D anD D. If you tried to convince her, like it's t- sometimes it's hard to get her to play board games, mm-hmm. um, certain board games, and you know like the geeky ones we like that are, are a little more involved, a little in... more involved than like a roll a dice, move around a board. Exactly. Yeah. So I feel like this experience would be would be very interesting. It's kind of like escape mazes. Like no one wants to be locked in a room, but I don't know. Throw a cool game around it and the story. Suddenly you've you've got an interesting afternoon. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So uh, the only reason I bring up that example is because Ashley likes escape rooms and she's done a couple of them. Uh, personally, I I just need to know where the bathroom is. I would not want to be locked in a room. Um, but yeah, like uh, it sounds really really cool. So how long did it last? You said it was a couple hours. It was yeah, it was four hours. So it started at noon and went to four o'clock, and we had nice. like appetizers and we had beers because it was like a they had a, a lot of like craft beer on tap and stuff and then so we just kind of had beers and appetizers and then we had a like a full lunch meal and the whole time we were just sitting there playing dnd it was a lot of fun i was surprised i was i was not necessarily looking forward to it i also <laughs> fell down the stairs like oh that's right 36 hours before so i'm i'm still covered in bruises but i was like having trouble like sitting for long periods of Aww. time so it was uh, but it was a lot of fun it was if i was in physical pain and also enjoyed the experience. It means it was very, very good D and D experience. That's how you know you're doing it right. Yeah, exactly. And the other thing that we actually got some time to play this weekend, um, I bought a game based on recommendations on BoardGameGeek.com for Matt for his birthday called Spirit Island, and it was the highest rated two player game on BoardGameGeek.com. It's actually you can play it by yourself, or I think it's a one to four players. And basically what you're doing is you get to play as a character. And I think that there's about eight of them in the base game. And they are the island spirits. So there's like a water one, an earth one, a fire one, a shadow one, a lightning one, 
you know, all those kinds of, of like base elements, I guess, mm -hmm. for lack of a better term. And um, essentially what you're trying to do is um, your island is being invaded by like colonists. So you have to try to like kill off the colonists before they overrun your island and essentially destroy it. <laughs> Hmm. It's a lot of fun. It's very much like a, a strategy game, but it's co-op. And the great thing about it being uh, strategy and co-op, it was it kind of solves the problem that I had with Gloomhaven is that sometimes when we would be playing Gloomhaven, it's like Matt would have a super powerful turn. And then the thing that I was trying to do and trying to set up would no longer be valid. So it felt like my turn was wasted. But in Spirit Island, everyone moves through the phases of the game simultaneously so it's like we can like matt and i can talk to each other and be like okay i'm gonna deal with this group over here i'm gonna deal with this group over here and it's like all of our stuff happens at the same time so his turn never negates my turn so it just it felt like a more seamless and fun experience that didn't have the, like any sort of initiative order to make it feel like my turn didn't matter so i i like it i mean the art mm. is awesome it's really, really cool looking. It's a really kind of colorful game. And there's a lot of different modifiers that you can make to the rules in order to, you know, make it an, a harder and easier experience. So I highly recommend it. If you guys uh, are looking for a two-player board game experience, Spirit Island is phenomenal. We played like, I want to say like five rounds on Monday night. <laughs> We played it from like when we finished dinner to like when we went to bed. We played for like five hours of time. It was so good. And it's like a so it's a co-op. So you you literally can play just it's like a, an experience that you can enjoy just with two people. Oh, I, yeah. It's actually it plays uh, like the reason I picked it was it said it plays best with two people. You can play with up to four people, but it gets a little chaotic mm -hmm. versus like playing with two people. It's like. It's easier to coordinate. The island is smaller. Um, it's it's quite balanced at that level. Like you can play it alone as well, but it just uh, it's a more fun experience, I think, with two people. So it's it's really really good. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. And because you can, uh, each spirit has different like strengths and weaknesses. So there's like uh, offense, defense, utility, movement, and uh, fear generation. So that's another thing is you can um, if you essentially make the colonists fear you enough, then you get really powerful effects and you can, you know, like downgrade them from, you know, a city to a village or, you know, from a village to just a lone settler or something. And the the smaller the settlement and the less kind of um, people in each space, then the, the less damage that they do. So there's some really, really powerful effects based on how much fear you've generated as these spirits of the island. It has a lot of really good flavor to cool. it. Yeah, so I, I don't really, I had a lot, a lot of fun playing it. So if anyone's looking for a physical board game to play with a significant other, this was a lot of fun. Plus, I always like playing co-op experiences with Matt because we're both <laughs> so competitive that, yeah, competitive board games don't work out well for our marriage. <laughs> yeah, it's almost like you got to check them at the door, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Is that a competitive so, yeah. board game you brought there? Mm, you're going to have to leave it outside. No, 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 no. Yeah. <laughs> So, so yeah, it was a lot of fun. You guys should go and check it out. Uh, we also have, it had an expansion that just came out recently that we haven't sunk our teeth into yet because we're just uh, having so much fun with the base game. So, uh, but yeah, there are expansions coming out for it and stuff. And I think it's pretty recent. I think uh, Spirit Island itself came out last year. So might be new to some folks. And did you mention you were able to get it just through normal means, like an Amazon.ca type situation? Or do you have to go yeah, to the Yeah, I shop? actually... Uh, you can. It is like I have seen it in our local game store, but I did order it off of Amazon, so it's it is widely available. <laughs> and it was how much? Is it like a like is it top tier expensive game game? Board uh, game? It wasn't cheap, right. but it wasn't uh, it wasn't too too much either. Um, I mean, we've all like the thing this, we've talked. I think about it was before. probably around like. 40 or 50 dollars but there's a lot of pieces to it right and, th and this is something we've talked about before like for some reason we've accepted the fact that games in canada cost 80 dollars and then i look at a board game that's gonna cost 80 bucks and it's like wow yeah. that's expensive it's like well ryan like you play a couple hours of that 80 dollar experience and then sometimes you don't go back to it at least with a board game you're gonna get you know, two hours of fun with a lot of your friends and then revisit a couple years later and be like oh yeah remember that game as opposed to you know, Sonic at the Olympics or 
the Sonic Forces or whatever. It cost you eighty bucks. <laughs> Poor just, Sonic. <laughs> well, you know what? It, 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 it's just Son- Sonic games in general have I've had I've had a bad uh, <laughs> bad experiences with. I don't usually <laughs> I don't buy them anymore because I think I I think I rented one in university and I tore myself through it and I was like, you know what? Never again. <laughs> and then two times after that, I had stopped. So it worked out. But uh, yeah. But yeah. So so sorry. The uh, the base game of Spirit Island. You're right. Is eighty dollars Canadian. So it's probably about sixty American, if I had to guess. And the expansion is only thirty five. So again, that would probably be around twenty dollars American, I would guess. So and but you do need you need the base game in order to play the expansion. So. But it's still, um, we spend much more than that on board games. <laughs> We've yeah. spent uh, much less than that on board games. And this this is a very, very good experience, specifically for the two of us. And I feel like it's also the kind of game that I could, you know, bring my mom in as well. Because often, you know, when we have family dinners and stuff, like my, my brother and my dad, they're really, really not into board games. But my mom loves them. So even trying to find an experience that's good for three people sometimes um it, it's really hard to do so we've been playing things like ticket to ride or whatever with her um but spirit island is it's just it's nice to have more options in that uh in that realm so yeah i do i highly recommend it it's really really fun if you're looking for something to play with uh, a couple of other people then uh, yeah good good co-op experience challenging and like i said flexible so you can make it more challenging for yourself uh depending on you know your level there's a little bit of rng in it so um you basically are picking powers from a deck so you're kind of uh there is an element of card based randomness in the game so it keeps it fresh which is nice but uh yeah Mm -hmm. yeah i like i like that it's flexible and you can you can play around with the rules and stuff to make it harder easier and that and things so yeah go go check it out uh, something else you you should check out. Talked about it a little bit earlier, but I'm going to talk about it again because it's my show and I can do that. Saturday, <laughs> October twelfth. <laughs> I'm going to. I thought you were going to talk for... about uh, Dead by Daylight again. I'm like, oh, okay, no. yeah, I guess. <laughs> no, I'm not talking about Dead by Daylight again. Well, I guess <laughs> I'm just it's sort of or in a roundabout way, I am because I'll definitely be playing it this Saturday, October twelfth for Extra Life. If you'd like to support the team, go to bitly slash TGI Extra Life 2019 to help us out over there. You can also, if you like the show and like what we put together, head on over to patreon.com slash thegamersin to support what we're doing. That brings us to our topic of the week this week, which of course we're talking about Sony's PlayStation 5. We have a release date-ish. We have a release season, I guess, is a better way (laughs) to think about it. But uh, holiday 2020, we're going to have PlayStation 5s in our hands. Are you going to be picking this up day one? (sighs) Man, you know what? This is such a loaded question. I don't know. Like um, I, games, games are important. Everyone's focusing on the hardware. Microsoft's focused on their hardware. Sony's now focusing on on their hardware. Um, I know talking about games can cannibalize your current generation uh, as you're finishing it off with such titles as uh, Last of Us Part Two and stuff like that. So for me, um, it all comes down to the games. I know we've talked about this before, and. Um, I'm I'm content with my current offerings of tech, right? So I I really don't want to spend six to seven hundred dollars on a new console. So kind of hoping the games aren't great, but this hardware sounds really cool, you know, in terms of next yeah, so, generation. So tell me about the the PlayStation Five and what it's actually bringing from a hardware perspective. Yeah. So one thing that people were questioning, you know, Mark Cerny, uh, sort of the the hardware specialist with Sony Interactive, was talking about ray tracing. It's all the rage. Everyone's talking about ray tracing. It's big these days. Uh, and then they were saying that this wasn't, they're confirming it's not a software level thing. It's going to be acceleration uh, done by the GPU hardware, which is perfect. That's what people want to want to hear. Um, ray tracing makes things look better. So uh, that's a good thing. Um, 100 gigabyte optical discs, which is up from the 40 gigabytes, I believe that we have on the, on the PS4 discs now. Those are going to be played using a 4K Blu-ray player, so I think that it's safe to say it will, you'll be able to play 4K Blu-ray Blu-ray movies on your on your system, so that's good. Uh, they also talk about uh, modular installs. I don't know if this is interesting to you, Jocelyn, but um, with a, with a limited hardware or uh, hard drive space, it being an SSD, to keep costs down, they're probably going to have to limit the size of that thing like i don't see it being more than a terabyte and if you have 100 gigabyte games 
you're probably going to want to, you know, emit the multiplayer or maybe even the single player of certain games. So you'll be able to choose certain parts of the game to install based on your preferences, right? So That sounds awesome because yeah. I know I have run out of space on so many different hard drives. I have to buy a new hard drive for my PC. My freaking PlayStation is full. My uh, Nintendo Switch. Oh, my God. That thing filled up in like a day. <laughs> of course it did. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's it, <laughs> so I had to buy I had to buy a little micro SD card thing for the switch. But uh, yeah, no uh, space is a huge problem now because I'm super lazy, Ryan. I don't know if you know this about me. And also, I don't really love leaving my house. So I buy digital downloads of basically all of my games. Well, <laughs> so the, I run out of space so fast. Yeah. And the thing is now, like with the Xbox one, the PS4, uh, those are already installing to the to the hard drive, and that is not going to change with the PS5. You are not that disc is just a, de- a data delivery service. Yeah, um, you you are installing it no matter whether you like it or not. So that's why it's interesting that it it, it will be modular if supported by the, I'm assuming if supported by the developers. So, and I hope that that goes the other way too, in the sense that if I install the whole game. And I know I'm I've done the campaign. I can just uninstall the campaign portion because, in a call, like if you look at Call of Duty, when you compare the multiplayer to the campaign, I would assume at launch at least the campaign is going to be much much larger due to the assets required to throw together a a triple A campaign, right? So that's a really good feature, especially if you're trying to min max um, uh, space. And then, you know, they talk about the controller a bit and they say weight wise, a lot of people were complaining that the PS4 controller felt pretty light. So it's yep. going to be a little heavier, uh, probably closer to a little bit lighter than an Xbox One controller, which I feel is a really good weight. Um, I like the Xbox One controller's feel. I was uh, going to say, we've talked about this so many times, mm-hmm. but I feel like in controller wars, Xbox wins hands down for me. Yeah. The Xbox just feels better in my hand. The form factor is better for me. The weight's better for me. I just, I have really long fingers. So I always feel like on the PlayStation controller, like, first of all, I feel like I'm going to snap it in half, but also <laughs> <laughs> like yeah. my hands are just my, my fingers are never, or the buttons are never where I feel like they should be. Yeah, I, I find with the PlayStation, the DualShock design in general, it's just they they got it to a point where they were happy with it. And I think the PS4 didn't have like a lot of lot of tech in the controller. Like it was just it was it was a DualShock with some added features. It sounds well, it like it had that. It had the um, the touchpad thing. It did right? it was very. That it does was, have the touchpad. Like that's its like tech piece. That's its. <laughs> selling feature yeah and i think you know they used it strategically at launch and then it just became a giant button from henceforth and basically yeah i don't mind mashing the giant button i kind of like it now i'm pretty sure they're getting rid of it with the ps5 but uh yeah it was kind of neat to have that giant like panic button you could push it was really cool for like answering calls and stuff in games where it's like oh i gotta push this big uh, giant ass button um but yeah, the the DualShock Five, which is not the official name, but let's face it, it's probably going to be. They did confirm that the PS Five, the PlayStation Five, is the official console name. But the new controller is going to have adaptive triggers uh, that are designed to adapt naturally to different weapon types, like a bow and arrow or a machine gun. That feels like sort of um, resistant, uh, resistant triggers. So, for example, if you're if you're in a driving game, you drive over sand you're going to feel less resistance than when you're driving over gravel. Um, and if programmed right, that would be really cool. Very, that would be super cool. It's a very specific uh, feature that it could be a novelty, but it could also be a game changer. But the Xbox One actually had something similar to this where it didn't use sort of haptic feedback with adaptive triggers like there was no resistance there there was actually rumble in the triggers so in racing games if you went off the track you would feel that as mm. you were as you were trying to get back on back on well the line. that's kind of reminds me too a little bit of what nintendo was trying to do with the joy cons with that like super small sensitive vibration where like ooh, you can feel the ice cubes going down the glass <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> And yeah, it, it, I mean, it, I'm sure that PlayStation is probably going to make more use of it. And I am interested to see what it's like 
with, you know, driving over different textures or pulling weapons on different or pulling triggers on different weapons. Not that I really know the difference between, say, like shooting a handgun versus shooting a machine gun versus like pulling back an arrow and a quiver. But I mean, if they do it right, then it should just feel right. Does yeah. that make sense? Like, I, no, I feel it, like I, I'm stating the obvious. But no, I, I get where you're coming from. Down, it's going to come down to the programming, basically. It, I think. it comes down to the way that developers will implement the hardware. Uh, and, and you know that at launch, it'll be kind of gimmicky. And I feel where you really notice, uh, you know, these this hardware coming into its own is in the second year or the third year when developers have been like, okay, like we don't have to check the box, but if we can do something cool with this. And I think Nintendo's example of HD rumble, the hardest part about HD rumble is that most of the impressive tech was in controllers that you or I weren't using because they were always attached to the, the switch and we were using the pro controller to play it on the TV. Um, and, and I, I just, I never really experienced it. And a lot of games haven't come forward with it to be, like a, this immersive feature, right, outside of a couple of minigame experiences. But they say that uh, it could be a, a distinctive and surprisingly immersive tactile experience, but, I mean, their words, not mine. I, I We'll have to see, but I guess they've prepared a few demos that they're showing off with the PlayStation 5 now to kind of show off the controller and its abilities. But um, it kind of sounds like they're the new tech, that they're putting into this controller. So so the big giant touchpad button, but for the PS5, right? Um, so this could be the new their new thing. And, and it kind of does feel like what Nintendo is going for with sort of, you know, a new experience with the controller. It's not just about, you know, having an input to the game, but having the game send feedback back to the player outside of just make the controller shake for a little bit, you know? Mm. Um, so yeah, that's... That's pretty much it. I, I'd imagine this thing would release in uh, probably November of next year. We'll probably get our first games at E3. I, I think once the you know once Last of Us comes out in February, that pretty much opens the floodgates for let's talk about PS5 games. Um, but yeah, I don't know. What about you? Like, do you feel like this hardware unveil? Like, is this the next generation console you're going to look at, or are you going to wait? You're, you're going to wait for the games, right? Yeah, I really think I am. I mean, I do find the idea of being able to install different pieces of the game to be really compelling because, I mean, you mentioned even just Call of Duty talking about, um, like, just installing the multiplayer where I might do it the other way and, like, just install the single player and not touch the multiplayer in a lot of different uh, instances for a lot of different games. So I like the idea of being able to control my data and my space without just saying, like, yes, I want to totally get rid of game A in in favor of game B when really what I want is like a piece of each. So I, I do find that a really uh, compelling solution. I like that. I don't like the existing controller, like Xbox wins in the controller race for me. Although we'll have to see what this new PlayStation five controller actually feels like, but um, really it, it will come down to the games and I'm 99% sure I'm going to pick up a console whether it's going to be the Xbox or the PlayStation. And like I say, Xbox in general wins out in the controller wars. But it's really, I think, going to come down to to what game offerings look like because I have not been very... Um, I haven't been very impressed with our, like, the Xbox-only exclusive stuff. Mm-hmm. And the other kind of downside to the Xbox is that most if not all of the experiences lately have been available on both the console and the pc and i love pc gaming so if i'm Mm. already going to be gaming on the pc like i might even want to we were talking a little bit before the show about the xbox um the super expensive super pro controller Mm -hmm. that i love and want real bad i might be convinced to just buy one of those plug it into my pc and then play games on the PC instead of buying an Xbox console. So I feel like Xbox has a lot more convincing when it comes to getting me to buy the next gen Xbox because I already have a PC. So I might just go PlayStation because of that reason. Mm -hmm. No, I I think um, if you're looking to maximize how you play the games going forward, if you are up uh, with PC hardware, 
um, you, yeah, it makes sense. You probably want to get uh, like a PlayStation 5, again, if you want to maximize the amount of games you can play. Because you're right, mm-hmm. Microsoft has been very clear in saying that any Microsoft exclusive games are going to come out on both PC and Xbox. Um, Sony's made a, a similar statement, but more along the lines of, of creating a, a healthy uh, community uh, for their games. So multiplayer focused games might come out on both consoles with cross or both PC and PS5 to support um, a larger multiplayer community uh, through crossplay. They they did they haven't come out and said like, hey, we're gonna have you know Last of Us Part Three on PC. That's that I don't think that's ever in their cards. It's similar to Nintendo. Like they're not gonna put Mario the next Mario game on the Xbox or PS5 um, because they're cool with their Switch selling millions of copies. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I. I I, I will see where, where it goes, but I agree. The only reason I bought an Xbox One is because it was the only place I could play Halo, but Halo Infinite is coming to PC. So I I have a choice. Uh, it'll also come to the Xbox One X as well. So that's also interesting is they're doing... Right, the- because you you have the, the in-between. You don't have... Like for me, I have the first version PS4 and mm-hmm. Xbox. So um, I don't have the Plus or the X versions of these consoles so for me it's going to be a huge upgrade going from you know like original gen uh ps4 up to ps5 like that's going to be a huge jump in performance for me so i i think it's worth it from that standpoint and i mean for me again like going back to just the idea of the games i have a lot of stuff on playstation 4 and if the 5 is backwards compatible, which I'm not sure if they've said 100%. It will be, yes. Okay, so that. so yeah, that's a huge selling point too because I've got a, I've got a quite a big catalog of stuff on my PlayStation 4 and I would like to, in some cases, finish experiences, in some cases, just see what they look like on the newer hardware. So like Days Gone's a really good example where sure. I really liked that game, but it didn't run the greatest like it was okay but i definitely noticed it struggled it struggled exactly so i would like to see what that experience is like on new hardware and i can only do that with the playstation so i think i'll probably i'm like 80 percent playstation right now uh the only thing that is holding back that extra 20 is is the controller because like i say i just i'm an xbox girl yeah we'll see what the exclusives are for the ps5 but i feel like same with the xbox one i can hold off on purchasing until like some exclusive comes along and play you know the games on the xbox one x if if that's how they do sort of the cross platform play uh, or on my pc i can work with that uh j- because again the launch titles are going to be yeah a jump from the previous generation but still present um a very close experience you're not going to be getting like if you look at launch ps4 titles and then spider-man god of war it took a long time to get there to really maximize the hardware so mm-hmm. i'm cool waiting uh to purchase for those big experiences but they launch with we've, we've already talked about this if they launch with horizon uh you know two we're both yeah. buying it day one and and that's oh, 100%. That, <laughs> probably gonna happen now now that we've said that out loud i mean we're due up for a sequel to that game in holiday 2020 um and it would be a perfect launch title oh uh, i guess i better start saving honestly <laughs> like let's be yeah honest. exactly <laughs> <laughs> all right oh man uh if you guys would like to tell us if you are going to be on the PlayStation 5 bandwagon or if you are Team Xbox, then you can let us know either by going to the Discord and chatting us up over there. It's bit.ly slash TGI Discord. Or you can email the show at info at like Travis did. Travis wrote us in and says, Hi, Joss and Ryan. I'm a father of two and my oldest son, Noah, recently turned four. I distinctly remember receiving an NES from my grandmother. I grew up a gamer and have long awaited the day when I can share my love of the medium with my kids. I've been monitoring the Switch for a while now and I'm considering getting one for my family for Christmas this year because Noah has expressed interest in mobile games and sometimes sees me playing games on my laptop. We hooked up the SNES Classic last week, or sorry, last weekend, and tried playing Super Mario and Mario Kart. It's new for him, so he struggled with the controls a bit, but seemed to be enjoying trying to play. In the event that I do pick up a Switch, what do you, or do you have any any games you could recommend? Oh my god, sorry, I'm tripping over this so much, you guys. 
Uh, do you have any games you could recommend for kids just trying to get used to playing games? Anything that offers a no-fail state so he can get used to walking and jumping would be great. Ryan mentioned the Paw Patrol game on the show this week, so I thought... Um, so I looked into that a little bit. Looks like it could be an option. I also recall each of you mentioning the ability to create levels in Mario Maker 2 where there's no way to actually die. The Lego games may be another option, but I think the puzzle solving aspect may be a little too complicated for him. Any feedback is appreciated. Ryan, what were the first games you introduced Caden to? Thanks so much for your time and all the amazing content. It's truly appreciated. Travis, thank you so much for sending this in. Travis, Ryan, mm. you are definitely the expert in this email, let me tell you. I mean, Mario Maker would be my, or I guess Mario Maker 2 would be my initial thing because mm. then you can kind of um, increase the difficulty in the levels as he learns so you yeah. can really tailor the experience to him. That would have been my first recommendation. But Ryan, you definitely have much more insight when it comes to what a four-year-old can handle than I do. <laughs> yeah, so uh, it, it's interesting because I believe um, we talked about Mario Maker on the show and, and that was your specific suggestion. And I thought it was, it was a great suggestion. It would totally work. So if you, and the other thing too, if you want an excuse to buy a Switch, this is the perfect opportunity to say it's for your kids uh <laughs> because you can pick up a switch you can get super mario maker 2 and then you can craft levels that are specific to uh the play style uh of your kids i know with kate and I, I i tried to get him to play super mario maker 2 and he loves controlling mario he loves trying to jump he's not as big a fan of pits uh or enemies he likes enemies on screen, but he doesn't like enemies when they're, you know, well, you saw the level he created. Uh, he didn't quite like it. But um, that's a good one where you, yeah, you can ramp it up. You can create, uh, you, you can cre create instances where there are no fail states. So just getting um, Noah used to the fact of, of walking and running and jumping. That's the biggest problem I find with introducing your kids to games is, is the coordination aspect. I mean, that's the big reason they say video games does train your hand-eye coordination. Um, so it's it's not a bad thing, I think, personally, to, to get your kids to, kids to play games. I know people in my life that would completely disagree with that, but um, I think I turned out pretty good. Uh, and uh, yeah, I think Super Mario Maker 2 is a great reason to just kind of you know treat yourself and find something that you can custom tailor to... Uh, to getting your you know your kid on board um i'll be a little selfish here and say like i do a show with uh, another parent uh crofton called dungeons and diapers where we talk a lot about how we play games with our kids uh, you can find that at tgistudios.com and we talk every week about what games we're playing with our kids and and crofton has actually been working his way through the zelda series um with his four-year-old daughter or five-year-old daughter gwen and they're right now playing Link's Awakening, where video games don't necessarily need to be a, an experience that you play and pass the controller. That'll come eventually. But interacting with your kids, so Link's Awakening, um, there are moments when there's a button prompt or a, a place where you have to push a button for something to happen. I will then hand the controller over to Caden and say, hey, push the X button and watch this cool thing happen. And that sometimes is uh, is the moment that, gets them really interested in games it's just that interactivity and then there's also things where like i was playing mario kart on my phone and the kids come over and I'm like oh what's that and there's a bunch of flashing lights and they just want to sit there and kind of and interact just watch with it, it like it's a tv show yeah or like and interact with it and and you know get excited when you launch a shell or or get frustrated when you go over another damn banana peel but uh <laughs> there are different ways they're passive and and sort of interactive experiences you can have and still share your passion um with your kids and but again if you're looking for something to to really play with your kids i think mario maker is a really cool way you can build levels uh with no one kind of show like you know reactions and cause and effect there so man you're gonna have so much fun yeah yeah that's a lot of uh Really good advice, and and I do think you should go listen to Dungeons and Diapers because I know Ryan, you guys cover so much stuff, like not just yes. video games, but just no. like being being geeky dads to <laughs> to kids around the age of it sounds like Travis's kid. So yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah definitely go and check that out also wanted to give a shout out to travis because he sent in alongside his uh, email question he sent in a super freaking cool 
um, Instagram account. So basically, mm. uh, Travis creates Perler Bead Pixel Art. And his Instagram is Pixel Mountain Pop Art. Uh, we'll put a link in the show notes. But uh, he makes some really cool geeky perler art that's like hang it up on your wall art. Yeah. There's a there's a Jack Skellington that I'm just like, I need it. I need it like yesterday. It needs to be in my life. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking at this uh, this Hylian shield and man. Well, it's 3D too, which is so cool. It's so good. It's so it's so crazy. And you know, in the email, he included attachments, and then he had actually followed up with uh, Instagram and Facebook links. And, and again, we'll include those in the show notes. Uh, these you have you gotta you just gotta see these. They're they're so detailed. Uh, I want I want the shield. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> I want to put it on my wall. I haven't like adorned my walls with things. I I spent so much time like literally putting these walls together with drywall and mud and I'm like I'm not touching these things but no I will put a nail in my new office walls for that thing that looks so yeah. cool <laughs> it does look super cool so again Travis thank you so much for sending in the email you guys should all go check out pixel mountain pop art over on Instagram and uh, look them up on Facebook too it's really 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 good really cool art and uh, yeah I can't recommend it enough if you'd like to visit us on the web, you can go to gamersinpodcast.com or you can follow us on Twitter. You can find me, Jocelyn at Joss Plays, Ryan is Dar Murphy, and don't forget to follow the show at The Gamers Inn. Thanks for staying at The Gamers Inn. Remember, tune in next week. Bye.